When Jean Boutehou penned his article, The Oldest Cuisine in the World, Cooking in Mesopotamia, he never imagined that ancient Mesopotamian culture would appeal to the modern-day palate. In the book's final pages, Boutehou writes, Lastly, let me say quite plainly that it is virtually impossible for us to execute these recipes of Mesopotamian hot cuisine. I would not advise trying to incorporate their culinary tradition, just as it stands into our own. His comment, which follows paragraphs that dive into vibrant descriptions of the royal foods and recipes, seems rather ironic. Perhaps Boutehou's fear stems from the possibilities of an unfaithful writing of ancient Mesopotamian food history, or an ill-executed experiment that aggravates his picky appetite. Whatever his reason, it is disappointing to see Boutehou skip out on experimenting with his research in the kitchen. Since his formative article about Mesopotamian food culture, historians, chefs, and bloggers have kindled a new interest in ancient Mesopotamian foods. One such chef is Narwal Naswala. Narwal is an Iraqi scholar, chef, and author of Garden of Eden, a cookbook and a history of the Iraqi cuisine. She joins me for this episode to talk about how growing up in Iraq, surrounded by Iraqi culture, has influenced her cooking endeavors and her recent experience reconstructing Mesopotamian cuisine at Yale University. This episode is packed with musings by an experienced cookbook writer and some of the consequences of applying Western palates to non-Western cuisines. You're listening to Gouda Talks, a podcast about food and culture hosted by Jess Ang on WHRB 95.3 FM. Um, well, I come from Iraq, and I came to the States in uh, 1990. So I used to be a university professor teaching English literature at the universities of Baghdad and Munford. It was only that I became independent, you know, away from the family, that I really started to, uh, you know, uh, practice the cooking, the staple dishes myself. But I always, you know, had the good food, and, uh, you know, I know how theoretically how they were cooked. So I always had this interest in good food. So when I came to the States, I uh, started with my project on the Iraqi cookbook and its history. And it was through this book that I came to know of the oldest recipes in, in Iraq. So that was a really a great surprise to me. Um, sometimes, you know, I used to have uh, better homes and gardens. So I used to bake cakes, I make hamburgers, mashed potatoes, and people liked those in Iraq, you know. They thought this was, this was fancy food, you know, like meatloaf. So, you know, it was, uh, it's really traditional Iraqi dishes that have staple uh, stew and rice and bread and, you know, all those things that I grew up having. Hmm. What do you think makes a recipe a good recipe? When you're trying to filter out recipes for good recipes, um, especially like Iraqi cuisine and even like ancient Mesopotamia cuisine, what what makes something good to you? Well, you know, the recipe for me, you know, I always hated, the, you know, kind of silent recipes. They just provide ingredients and the way of cooking the dish. I don't know anything about it. I, I always needed, you know, I always liked those books which, which tell you about the dish, not only how to cook it. Um, so, you know, when, when I uh, started uh, working on my cookbook, I said I would do the book I would myself like to read. So I always put kind of introduction, if there is history, if there is folklore, if there is a story, you know, so whatever it is, just to make it interesting. And then when I write the recipe, of course, I... Uh, 
um, I had to uh, make sure that when people try it, you know, they are not familiar with the with the Iraq, people who are not familiar with the Iraqi cuisine. They need, you know, to have good results with the with the recipe. So I tried it. You know, although I cook it on daily basis, some of the dishes I cook on daily basis. But of course, I don't use tablespoons and cups when I do these things. I just, you know, like eye measurements. But when I started to write the recipes. I had to measure everything, even salt, and I had to try them several times until I get the, you know, the, the satisfactory result. <clears throat> so a good recipe needs to give you good results. Mm. I mean, this this is uh, this is a must. <laughs> What's your favorite recipe to cook, either from your book or like that you found elsewhere? Mm, my recipe. Well, I like our stuffed dishes. You know, we have uh, we make a lot of stuffed dishes. They <laughs> they are time consuming. And I cannot make them all the time. So uh, when I make them, I really enjoy making them and uh, I enjoy eating them. And I, I enjoy, you know, looking at people around me enjoying those dishes. It's this type of dishes we call kubba. We make dough, you know, like from bulgur, from rice. We stuff it with a, a you know, spicy, nice mixture of uh, uh, meat, uh, ground meat and uh, ground beef and uh, onions with the spices and we either boil them or fry them. I, I would like to make these, you know, provided I have time for it and the energy. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Those recipes look and sound so delicious, but <laughs> the time and takes yeah. to make it is super intense. But I hopefully I can yeah. now with all this time I have, I can dig into it a little bit more. <laughs> What are some things that you've learned when you were doing some like historical deep dives into your cookbook? Because you do touch upon like ancient Mesopotamia's history and some of the recipes in there. And you were also involved in this project with Yale. And Yeah, well, what surprises me is how advanced their cooking was. You know, whenever in my, in my dreams did I expect that, you know, my ancient people, you know, like... Uh, you know, 3,000 years ago, they used to cook the same dish we, uh, you know, we consider a staple these days, which is a stew. I was really surprised. And of course, I uh, I, I saw a pattern when I uh, had the chance to examine two medieval books from uh, cookbooks from Baghdad. And I saw the same pattern, you know, that is this, this is kind of dish that is... Uh, that is really popular in the region from ancient times. It was really, you know, the continuity of some of the dishes really surprised me. Do you think that recipes can be reconstructed from the ancient texts and uh, tablets? Well, we can, they can be reconstructed, but there are certain hurdles. First of all, the recipes, you know, um, some of the, you know, the cuneiform tablets we have, they are three, and uh, there are some, some of them are damaged at parts, you know, it's, uh, you know, the recipes that we have in one piece and damaged are quite a few. Seriologists have been trying to decipher them so we can get an idea. So first of all, um, it is the recipes themselves. They, they need to be, you know, deciphered, deciphered in, a, in a good way. We did in the, the last attempt with the Yale University. We had a good uh, translation, a new translation. That's why we were able to work on uh, several of them. And the second thing is the uh, identity of, uh, you know, identification of certain ingredients. Um, some of them are similar to what we call them today, more or less, uh, in Iraq. Okay, so the ingredients, some of them are either still unidentified, 
and even if we if they are identified, you know, I I see in them some of the and some of the names similar to what we cook today. But you know, the people I worked with, they had such suspicions that what what was mint in ancient times is not the same mint. I disagree with this. You know, if the recipe uses mint, then I use mint, and I'd be comfortable that will, I will get satisfactory uh, results. So. They can be reconstructed successfully, like to 90% or something. How important do you think physical directions to a recipe matters? Um, Coming from like a a perspective of a cookbook writer, but also like looking at these tablets and knowing that these ingredients, if you put them right together, it will work. Yeah, that's a good point. Because uh, when they wrote the recipes, even in medieval times, they didn't give uh, detailed, you know, instructions like we do. We give temperatures, we give ingredients, you know, we give amounts, we, we, you do this, you put it out, you take it out. They didn't do this. They wrote briefly, most of them. And because uh, they assume that this is already known knowledge, they just give, you know, the basic instructions. So you have to read between the lines. And this is what I help them with when we reconstructed, for example, the bird pie because they are not familiar with the Middle Eastern cuisine, for example, they didn't, they, they, they apply their own Western cooking techniques to our techniques, so it didn't make sense. But I tried to explain that <clears throat> this is what it might have meant. So knowledge of the, uh, re- of the cuisine from which the recipe comes, you know, uh, knowledge of the person who is giving the instructions, of course, this is important. Um, because you you have to do a lot of interpretations, a lot of reading between the lines, and in order to uh, make the uh, the recipe comprehen- comprehensible the way we have them uh, nowadays. I mean, the Babylonian recipes, some of them are just two lines, but of course, a lot of work was involved in making them. I mean, they are not uh, they gave just the skeletal instructions. I mean, even when I make the same dish, it doesn't come out 100% the same thing. You know, there are a lot of factors affect, you know, that affect the, the, the result of the dish. So that's okay. I mean, it's generally, it's, uh, you know, it's the same. So, so, I mean, that's the problem with cooking. It's not uh, um, really, you know, 100% exact science. Sometimes, you know, it's okay to give leeway for differences in results or something. Yeah, I, I'm. that's what I love about cooking, and I'm glad that more people, even though despite this horrible pandemic, have a chance to learn how to cook and can dive into, like, awesome cookbooks like your own. So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, that's their chance. I mean, they were busy with so many things, and now at least they, you know, they, 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 they have to cook themselves, you know, mm-hmm. there are no restaurants, so <laughs> that's a good chance. Yeah. Where are you located right now? Uh, in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. How is the um yeah. Iraqi food there? Oh, none. Oh. <laughs> none. None. <laughs> I cook at home <laughs> because I myself cook the food. I would go somewhere else, <laughs> like Chinese, Italian, you know. <laughs>